Welcome, everybody, to an exciting episode of Hooligan Radio. I am Zach, and I'm joined with my co-hosts, Josh and Isaiah. How are you both doing today? Woo! Cue that cheesy award music. I'm so excited to just give away all of these. Are we calling them hoolies? Hula hoops? The hula hoop hoolies? The Hooligan Radio Hoolie Awards. Right, Zach? That's what's happening today? That is what's happening. On this episode of Hooligan Radio, we're going to cover the best of 2019 with a bunch of different categories ranging from game of the year movie of the year performance of the year all the way down to paranormal true crime events of the year we'll all go ahead and discuss the different uh candidates as well as pick our winner that hooligan radio believes should be the winner of that category are there going to be any cool drama fiascos that happen, like Steve Harvey reading the wrong winner, or, or <laughs> oh, a nip slip during see. the Super Bowl? Oh shit! See that? See ours will just have to be the wrong one since this is an audio podcast. If we had the nip slip, my no nips are out right now. My nips are out. Welcome. <laughs> that was going to be my follow up. Whose nips aren't already? Out? My nips are out. <laughs> I am shirtless doing this. So Damn, mine bro. Are this is an all nipple episode. <laughs> nips out for game for uh, categories of the year. The hoolies are actually my nips. <laughs> oh god! Can All right, Zach, you're up first. I'll go ahead and start. So, first category is going to be paranormal slash true crime events of the year. And I, we went ahead and just put this as an overall combination of combining all of the cryptids, true crimes, paranormal. UFO stuff into one event just because we thought it felt easier to do it this way. Uh, so let's go ahead and start. The first uh, candidate is going to be the event of the United States government admitting the existence of UFOs, quote unquote, and uh, also pretty much coming up with guidelines how they're going to proceed from here on how they're going to take these UFO incidents and research them, investigate them here, here on out. Yeah, do you want to go ahead and just read off all the nominees, and we'll just talk oh, about them all? Yep, I'll go ahead and do that. Uh, second is going to be that the Lex monster was possibly identified, and which, if you listened to our episodes previously, it was that it was possibly identified as eels. Uh, third is going to be that the Jack the Ripper identity was solved, which apparently came to be a butcher. I believe it was a butcher that uh, had pretty much some of his blood was found on some of the clothes of one of the victims. And then the last one is going to be Stephen Prozac should be new installment of the paranormal paranormal documentary series he has every year, which we just discovered it this year, and we've been loving it so far. I think that the honorable mention in this category has to go to Josh going to the spooky museum of death that we talked about. I yes. wanted to put that on here, but I did not know how to be like one of our people experienced this. <laughs> this is the event of the year. Yeah. Hey, the event of the year. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I think that uh, all these have been pretty crazy. In my opinion, I think there is one that really sticks out being the UFO one. Um, but the, you know, the Loch Ness monster, I feel like that's something that's going to every once in a while, they come up with one, with a new possible, you know, identification. I'm still leaning towards the, if it is, if it does exist, leaning towards the plesiosaur theory. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the Jack the Ripper thing, you know, w- was pretty uh, interesting as well. Not very often you get it, such an old, uh, you know, um, criminal, you know, that we get some new information on. Uh, yeah. The Prozac thing I found pretty interesting <laughs> and honestly pretty funny. I looked into it a lot more recently once you nominated it, Zach, and I just think it's funny. 
um, like like that he does this in the same town every year. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like how much is going on in this yeah, one city in Michigan? And I was about to say, I think he, I think when I was looking at it, because I was actually watching a little, a little bit of all the different documentaries he was doing, like little, I don't want to say trailers, but little sneak peeks of it and stuff. And I think he has honestly about close to ten different documentaries in the same town. So he's yeah. finding stuff around that area. Honestly, I want to do a little bit more research around that town to see if that's just like a hot a town for paranormal activity or if these are like the same houses every time or exactly what's going on. Yeah. What about you, Isaiah? Um, yeah, I think you're right with there's one that stands out here. But mm-hmm. I think that uh, my personal one is that this year we found out the uh, the good old conspiracy theory that the birds work for the government as drones. Um, I'm pretty upset that that didn't catch the nominee, so um, I guess I'll just have to go with my second one, uh, which is what I think is the of this admits the existence of UFOs, but definitely the birds work for the bourgeoisie was my number one true crime event. It's a crime that the birds work for the bourgeoisie because mm-hmm. we used to call Zach the pigeon. Dude, he's probably a spy. He's a spy, Josh. Say, he's a spy for sure. You don't even know it. I don't. you just like, I work at IT in Columbus. He's like, yeah, okay. Okay, <laughs> Mr. Government Spy. Spying on you as a bird. Just dress up as a bird and sit on houses. Yeah, dog. I hope that 2020, our true crime paranormal event of the year, is that we break through the wall of the simulation. <laughs> that would be that, nuts. That would, I feel like, be a top of many categories, <laughs> not just that one. Uh, but I agree with both of you. Uh, there is a blaring candidate that definitely seems like it's the favorite, and I am going to give give it to the United States government admitting the existence of UFOs and essentially all the framework that they're putting in here for ufo incidences um and research going forth um Loch Ness monster one i thought was really fun the jack the ripper one this one even though it says the identity is solved the identity has been solved by jack the ripper multiple multiple times with many different people so i'm not fully convinced that this is possibly the identity of jack the ripper um and the prozac one i thought was fun but if the United States government comes out and starts talking about UFOs, you have to listen, and that's a huge event. Yeah, dude. Absolutely. It was it was big baller news. Big we baller about news. It for like four weeks, I think, back to back to back when it got because I think it happened in July or June. It was sometime in yeah. summer. And it spawned a lot more news as well once they confirmed it. Yeah, yeah a lot of people coming out talking about what they see, and a, sp- a lot of uh, United States government officials coming out too. Which you like to see that because that's a little bit of credibility when several of the U.S. officials are seeing a lot of the same activity going on. So, paranormal true crime event of the year is the United States government admitting existence of UFOs. Isaiah, up next. I wish that we had. I wish that we had that thing that uh, award shows have where they like show all the nominees who didn't win after (laughs) while the guy stands up and is like, "I'm going to get my (laughs) hoolie," and they all have to grudgingly applaud. Right, like this in my imaginary space, we have Jack the Ripper, Loch Ness, and uh, Prozac all in all in the audience, so disappointed that they lost out (laughs) to the United States government. Yeah. Yeah, especially Prozac. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. 
All right, our next award. Uh, drum roll, please. Um, dramatic ha- handing of the envelope and me reading off the nominees, starting with a game that I did not hear a ton about until the Game Awards came around and told me that I'm a shitty gamer for not playing it. Uh, that's Disco <laughs> Elysium. Uh, this game is an RPG indie game um, that I guess it's like mostly about like the story, like there's no combat in the game. It's mostly like you solving a mystery um, and like getting to know the characters and all this kind of stuff. Um, that's not really been the gaming mindset I've been in in 2019. Um, so this one. Uh, it is an honorable mention, really, from my part, because so many people are going to say, I can't believe you didn't even bring up Disco Elysium after there was so much hype about it way after it came out. But literally, it flew under the radar until the Game Awards. But Disco Elysium, check it out if that's a thing that you're not that you're into, you want to get a big old narrative going on, uh, check that bad boy out. I think it's only on PC right now. Uh, now, now we have to talk about the games. That all could really win for me, so I'm excited to hear from you guys what you think. Um, we've got the Untitled Goose Game. Um, this one really made waves, and I thought was really good for the indie gaming industry. Um, that's just like, it's not very often you hear of a game make such waves, um, especially an indie game. And I felt like the internet was ablaze with the Untitled Goose Game. Um I really can't say any more than that. Um, we've also got Forager, which is kind of like a 2D uh, resource gathering. I wouldn't say it's like Minecraft. It's I don't know. It's kind of interesting. It's one that you should definitely look into. All made by one guy. It's absolutely amazing. Um, and then we have Slay the Spire. A um, it's an indie game. It's a roguelike deck builder, which is just a bunch of words that might not make sense to you guys. Do you understand what that means? Say that sentence again. You collect. There's a you lot collect going cards. On. <laughs> it's a it's a roguelike deck builder. So you start out at the beginning of each round of the game with the same base deck, and as you progress as you progress through the game, you get more cards for your deck. Um, which in then turn in turn makes your deck stronger, but also could in turn make your deck weaker because you have too many cards in your deck. Um, Slay the Spire. I've probably put over a hundred hours of Slay the Spire in this year. Wow! Can you yeah. almost compare it to like a battle chess sort of game? Um, I could. If you're gonna compare it to anything, I would compare it to. There's a certain game modes in Hearthstone where, like, you start out with a base deck, and as you win, you get to keep cards. Okay. Um, so it's kind of like that, but gotcha. you don't play against people; you play against mobs. It's interesting. Big fan, though. I put at least a hundred hours in the game. I could look it up right now, but I put a ton of time into that game. I'm a big fan. Uh, what are you guys thinking? What is your what is your indie game award going to from you guys? I think right off the bat, and I think this one probably out of the four that you listed we've talked about the most on the show, is the Entitled Goose Game. Because of just how ridiculous that game's premise is, but how oddly successful it has been since its release. Yeah, I think for me, um, Untitled Goose Game is the only one that... I heard anything about outside of this podcast. Um, 
you know, and for an indie game, I feel like to get mainstream coverage, even if it is on the internet, um, I think is, you know, kind of separates it. I would say Forager does look really cool, and it's definitely something that, um, you know, I might want to actually uh, try out just from looking at how the game plays. Slay the Spire, I I was surprised to hear you put so much time into it because just from looking at it, like, I feel like for me, if I want to play any type of game with cards, I just much prefer to do a physical card game, like a Dominion game, for example. Um, I thought that back... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I thought that's basically what this was going to be, but you did describe it to be a little bit different. Uh, but yeah, for me, I would have to agree with Zach and say the Untitled Goose game would be the first one I would go to for this. Yeah. it's Slay the Spire is an incredible game, and but I understand that it's not for everyone. And I think that the accessibility that the Untitled Goose game gives to everyone is it just puts it leaps and bounds in front of the amount of people who could play it and the hype that could be generated about it. Um, I'm going to have to give it to the Untitled Goose game, which is sad because how am I going to give it to a game that I have zero hours played whenever there's a game in the nominees that I put over 100 hours into? But I think that it's just Slay the Spire hit specifically for me in a special way um, where Untitled Goose game kind of hit for everyone in their own special way. So... Um, Untitled Goose Game going to win the indie game Hooli uh, this year. I'm very excited to see what 2020 brings in the indie sphere, but I don't know please if it'll be able to top Untitled Pigeon Game. Please, yeah, right, dude. I want to be able to fly. Can you fly in the Goose Game? <laughs> no, geese don't fly that much. All right, so the Untitled Goose Game wins the indie game Hooli. Um, I hope that there is anything that can contest with the juggernaut that is Untitled Goose Game in 2020. Um, But we will have to see. So, that brings us to the moment that everybody has been waiting for. Uh, The juggernaut of the categories. The super movie hero year. All of these words in the wrong order. Superhero movie of the year. (laughs) Let's go. Josh, what are you thinking? What are your nominees? Well, obviously, it's been a giant year for superhero movies, and they didn't all get nominated, but we do have the biggest ones, in my opinion. Uh, first off, we have, obviously, the biggest movie of all time, box office-wise, Avengers Endgame, um, followed by uh, something a little bit more of a deep, more of a darker superhero movie, uh, Joker, which you could even debate whether or not that's a superhero movie. I'd like to see what you guys have to say there. Captain Marvel, finally getting a female-led superhero movie in the MCU, and then Spider-Man Far From Home. So those are going to be the four nominees. What do you guys think about what the best superhero movie of the year has been? What great four nominees, by the way. Like, this was just going to be a hard choice at the end of the day. Um, I, you can't, we can talk about Avengers Endgame Forever as a great movie, so I'm not going to say too much about that. But out of the three other movies on this list, I think the one that struck me the most had to have been Joker, just because of the different way that it approached a villain and i think we're honestly going to see a lot more of these sort of style of movies where we're going to be taking a closer look at villains and their backstories now um in the future and develop them a lot more with their own movies since this came out yeah i think that my my movie out of the the nominees has to be spider-man far from home that shit fucked me up so good dog (laughs) Uh, still think about that it. movie was so good it started so much drama afterwards with Tom Holland 
yeah. pretty much saving the Spider-Man in the Avenger MCU universe. Yeah, and he's the goat. I mean, if there was if there was a question of Tom Holland's greatest Spider-Man before uh, this movie, and then the drama that happened after this movie really solidifies it that. If you're trying to argue with me about Tobey Maguire, you can just show yourself the door because that it doesn't matter. One. Yes, it was this year. Thank God. Yeah, so, and then the last one that, that you guys didn't mention, Captain Marvel. I think that um, what it did for the MCU was really good, but I think as a movie itself, I just thought it was, you know, pretty good. I didn't think it was anything spectacular personally. Um Spider-Man Far From Home, I did really love as well, especially Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio in the movie. Um, that was amazing. And then Joker, people could say it's more of a comic book movie, not a superhero movie, but technically you do have Batman's origin in there as well. Um, but at the end of the day, the winner for superhero movie of the year for the Hooli is going to be Avengers Endgame. I mean, and I think yeah. all you really have to say to justify that is the portal scene. I mean, this was the literally the biggest superhero movie of all time. Um, I mean, yeah, you had basically just three acts of climax, and you know, coming off of Infinity War, is it even really a movie? Is it as much as it is an event? Uh, but it was kind of like an event superhero comic book in that way, where it wasn't really this, uh, you know, really well told story on its own. It was the climax of everything we've gotten, and it was the first time we got to see that. I'll never forget the experience of sitting next to Isaiah and watching that together in the theater. Um, oh yeah, that, that was an incredible moment. There's yeah, out of the four movies that we have listed here, there's no single better lines of dialogue than "You took everything from me." I don't even know who you are, bro. I'm still like saying it out loud. It fucks me <laughs> up. Like, holy yeah. shit, dude. So so many so many uh, or uh, that is America's ass. Yeah, <laughs> there's so many good just the. It's great. It's so good. There's no way we could give it to anything. It would be an, it would be unjust for us to give this Huli to anyone else but Endgame. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Next year, so that's gonna be next year, 2020. That will be there will be some contention. We'll see who can. There won't be a 23 movie lead up to a superhero event, but we'll get to see. We'll get to see what we get. For sure. Um, yeah, this year there was a lot of great superhero movies, but just not much competition to the best one. Um, but I'll go ahead and throw it over to you, Zach, uh, to introduce the nominees for Podcast of the Year. Yeah. So like we did last year, we'd like to uh, shout out some of the podcasts that we enjoy outside of our own. Um, so let's go ahead and start. Uh, the f- first candidate is Pat Down with Miss Pat. Second, Joe Rogan Experience, which I believe this is the second time Yes, nominated. returning champion. Yep. Um, then H3H3 podcast. And then following up with the Clearing podcast. Did Rogan win last year or was he just nominated last year? No, he, he won last he year. He might have won last year. Is the, was did. last year when uh, Elon Musk smoked weed on the podcast or yes. was that this year? Yes, that was last that was year. Okay. That last year and that's probably why he won. That's more than likely <laughs> why he won. That's a fucking good-ass fucking podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, Zach, can you tell us about the clearing? Yeah, so this one, not a lot of people I feel really know about, but I wanted to give throw this one because I really enjoy this podcast. This is probably the new, the newest podcast that I've listened to outside of like my 
originals and go-tos that I've really enjoyed this year. Essentially, the premise of this podcast is that it tells the story of a serial killer named Ed Edwards, but the story follows an investigator journalism journalist, and I can't remember his name, and then the um, Ed Edwards, one of his daughters, who essentially, she was the one to find out that her own fa- father was a serial killer. Um, she and her family pretty much moved around the entire United States during her early childhood. Um, and she knew that her her dad did a bunch of like bad things, criminal activities, and they would always essentially just get away. And then one day she started looking into different areas that they've known they've been, seeing if there's been any unsolved crimes, any unsolved murders. And she actually stumbled upon one that she remembers like hearing stories of her dad saying or like being in the area of the time. And she reached out to the detective. They found that the, he was the serial killer. And then this podcast is essentially going through and looking into that story and possible other um, cr- criminal acts and murders that he could have accomplished during his time traveling the United States with his family and his daughter. That sounds insane. It was, it's very, very good when written. It's very good. Uh, it is very insane. Um, it actually takes place in Ohio. The family is from Ohio. Um, so it's, they actually throughout the entire podcast they will say like little areas such as like Cuyahoga Falls or uh like these I can't there's one park and I it wasn't Edgewater but there's one park in the Cleveland area that they actually mentioned and I was like I know where that is where supposedly he actually committed a murder at um so it was good is it, it Lincoln Park the, dude <laughs> I don't know about that uh there's been a lot Lincoln of murders park. at Lincoln Park bro but it was it was at least from someone who's being lived in the area a lot of his life uh it was fun or interesting hearing about these areas and possibly unsolved murders and some crimes happening around the area. Um, if you haven't checked it out, really, I would re- recommend this one endlessly. It's about eight or nine episodes, I believe. Each one's about under an hour. Um, and it started, and it actually is really new. It started in August, and I think it ended either in September or October. Hmm. And Isaiah, how about the Pat Down? Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so the Pat Down is a podcast by a comedian who goes by Miss Pat, um, and basically they she will go over stories about her life. Um, I'm pretty sure all the episodes are in between thirty and forty five minutes. Uh, it's pretty hilarious. It's Miss Pat, her friend Dion, and uh, their other friend, what who they call White Boy Chris. Um, and it's absolutely fucking phenomenal. Miss Pat, I actually found out about her and her podcast when she was on Joe Rogan and Joe was trying to convince her to do a podcast. Um, and then when she actually made one, I found out and it is so funny. Uh, absolutely got to check that one out. Um, uh, Josh, you want to give us a insight? Since we talked about Joe Rogan last year, I think we don't need to to give a, a heads up on that. And if there's I anybody, a, yeah, I was about to say, I assume a lot of listeners probably know who the idea of that concept since we already discussed it. Yeah, and since I don't know how many people are hip to H three, you want to give a rundown on what the H three podcast is? Absolutely. So H three H three Productions is a popular YouTube channel over the past few years, and they started a podcast a couple years ago. Um, and it's a pretty—I uh, don't want to say all over the place, but a pretty broad podcast. They do a lot of stuff. Uh, you can 
um, watch them on YouTube as well as listen to them. And they do play like, you know, memes of the week, funny things that happen during the week and react to them. Uh, they also bring on a lot of guests and it ranges from political candidates to other YouTubers to comedians. Uh, Post Malone has done several appearances on the H3 H3 podcast. Um, so they have a very wide variety of guests as well as just overall doing comedy bits, um, you know, when they don't have guests or even when they do um, on the podcast. So it's an overall very funny, just casual comedy podcast that talks about, you know, current pop culture and uh, memes as well. And I think they're trying to get Papa John on there. The <laughs> Papa. They're trying to get the Papa for 2020. No. They are what? in, they are in the, the works. For 2020? The Papa in 2020. Um, yeah. So H3 Productions is actually uh, the YouTube channel that brought you Vape Nation. And if you don't know what Vape Nation is, uh, yes. you need to get out from under the rock that you've been living under for 30 years and get into the good side of YouTube. <laughs> Because holy yeah. shit, dude, Vape Nation for life. Um, yeah, and and unfortunately, they haven't been make, uh, using their regular YouTube channel a lot since they've had their kid back over the summer. Um, but they still do do the podcast every week, and it's returning in a couple weeks for 2020. So they had a really good year um, in 2019, um, and I guess that can just move us on to announcing the winner. Which uh, Zach, do you want to go ahead and do that for us? Yep. So the Hooligan Radio Podcast of the Year is going to be going to the H3H3 H3 Podcast. Yeah, I think that this is a well-deserved podcast. All of the members who are on the actually on the podcast, Ethan, Ela, uh, Dan, Ian, and oh, what's the last guy's name? Zach. His, um, they're all just so fucking funny, dude, and the way that they mesh. And they're not really like – different right because they're not like some crazy famous person made a podcast like yeah uh joe rogan or whatever that fucking these other podcasts like the anchorman podcast i don't even know if that's actually mm-hmm. but it's like they just had a youtube channel and then they made a podcast and now they're having people like andrew yang and fucking i don't even know what other political figures did they have did they have i always get confused i don't, I don't know if they don't had know bernie if they had... or not Bernie on there or not they definitely talk about him a lot though um but yeah they had like we said Post Malone on there a lot of other YouTubers like iDubs uh Jack's Films is on there a lot um, they had Bobby Lee and, oh there's just so many good ones dude in 2019 yeah Bobby Lee was on there that was a good one yeah um and then they had a couple other comedians on there this year as well Bill Burr was on there that was a good one they had Bo oh, Burnham on there although yeah I think Bo Burnham was last year but yeah it's it's quite a wide variety yeah nice. I think that this is a well-deserved uh, Ethan, if you want us to send you your Hooli so you could display it on your table, just email us at hooliganradio23 at gmail.com, and I, I will email you. I will email with you and get that correspondence and send you your reward. I know that you listen to the podcast, Ethan. I know for a fact. <laughs> All right, and moving on to the next one here, we're going to be talking about the performance of the year this year. Um, And this actually is for TV and movies, so you'll see there's uh, some nominations for both in here. But I'll go over them quickly. This is in alphabetical order. We have Adam Driver for the movie Marriage Story. Uh, We have Bill Hader for the HBO show Barry. Florence Pugh for Midsummer, Joaquin Phoenix for Joker. Leonardo DiCaprio for Once Upon Hollywood and Lupita Nyong'o in Us. A lot of great ones here. What do you guys think about them? I'm not going to lie to you. I've only seen one movie out of all of these things that are on here. 
which is us. I saw us. Us. You uh, haven't seen Joker? No, I or didn't Once see Upon Joker. a Time. Oh, okay. No, okay. I did not see Once Upon a Time, dude. I want to see Star Wars, and it has been out for two weeks, and I can't <laughs> force myself to go. Like, <laughs> I mean, if I, see, I also haven't seen it, but I've also haven't seen the second new one yet. So, all right, well, talk to us then, Isaiah, <laughs> about the new Lupita Nyong'o. <laughs> oh man, dude, the performance. So, from what I understand, the ability to play two characters in a movie is out of this fucking world, right? So she does play two characters in the movie, correct? Yes, she yeah. plays her, and then she plays her under version. The tethered version of herself. Tethered, that's what it's called. And, dude, she kills both sides. It fucking blows my mind, dude. Holy shit. Um, I can't even talk about it. I can't even talk about it, guys. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand this category, and I don't understand how you win best performance. And I also can't compare to any of the other things in here, but... I should probably watch more movies, right? 2020, I say I watch more movies. <laughs> well, I, I will say that... Um... It is very special when you can pull off a double performance like that, um, mm-hmm. and it was probably the best part of that movie. And there's there's flaws with that movie, absolutely, but that performance is probably the best part. Zach, what were some of your favorites from these nominees? I think uh, uh, Bill Hader and Barry, that he very good. Uh, M Driver, of course, very good. Uh, Phoenix, of course, amazing. Um, in Joker, one that I have to at least give a shout out to though is Florence in Midsummer. She was act absolutely amazing in that movie um taking that very emotional role in the very beginning and then portraying it throughout the entire movie to where she essentially becomes and i can't remember the exact word she uses but essentially she's chosen by the the may queen yeah the may queen she becomes the may queen where essentially she gets all that power and stuff i thought just throughout the entire movie she had so much emotion she was very very good at every single scene where one scene she if one scene she would have to be like very emotional, very crying. The next one, she has to be very disgusted looking at something that this uh, group of people are doing. Um, very, very good, in my opinion. I think if she is not the winner in this category, she is des- that, honestly an honorable mention in it. Yeah, I agree. I think that, um, again, kind of like the same thing with us, there's definitely parts of that movie that you know I have problems with, but her performance is definitely the best part of it. Um, th- just thinking about her performance in that movie like I still can't think about Midsummer without just like just getting like anxious and like just feeling like kind of gross, you know what I mean? Mm. And, and and like like not okay. And <laughs> um, yeah. and that that was a great, you know, the best part of that movie. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio still proving that you know he's one of the few movie stars that can just sell a movie based on his name alone with <laughs> Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and he did not disappoint. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was actually um, Quentin Tarantino's like biggest opening for a film ever, and you have to put a lot of that you know on him as well as with Brad Pitt, and Margot Robbie. But Leonardo was kind of like the lead of that film. Um, I just want to say again, Barry is like an amazing show, and if you don't have HBO, consider getting it just to watch the two seasons of Barry uh, Bill Hader has become one of my favorite actors because of that show. Um, and then marriage story was kind of a last minute uh, movie that I watched for this year, but I'm glad that I did. Um, and Adam driver is really great in that film, but I'm going to announce the winner because I think that there's only one performance here that completely carried the film that it was in. 
and that is Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker in Joker. If you take his performance out of that movie, there's literally no movie. I mean, the film is a character study on Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker, um, and I think that um, he does a good job with that. I mean, I, I really enjoyed the movie, um, so he is going to win the Hooligan Radio Award for Performance of the Year. Big Hooli. Big Hooli going out to Joaquin. Of course. Great job. I've heard that that his performance is exceptional um, yeah. from a lot of people. So probably should have saw that yeah. one, right, boys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. You have, did you get Prime again, Isaiah? Or are you using your roommates? I'm using my roommates. Oh, yeah. there's You, you can rent stuff on there. It's fine. Just, there you go. <laughs> Just rent it and uh, check it out. All right, and Isaiah, I'll throw it to you for the album of the year. Yeah, so we're stepping out of our – I feel like this is our first step out of our bounds, right, considering we are a podcast, but we don't really get to talk about music all that much. We did – I don't remember if that was a 2019 episode or a 2018 episode where we talked about music with uh, a good buddy of mine, Kendall, and um, he's going to be upset when he hears this one (laughs) because (laughs) – He's already tried to argue with me, but we'll go through it. Um, so, the nominees are uh, When We Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go by Billie Eilish. Trauma by I Prevail. Thank You Next by Ariana Grande. Dedicated by Carly Rae Jepsen. Uh, Beautiful Oblivion by Issues. And Ammo by Bring Me the Horizon. Are there any albums in here that really stand out to you guys uh, that you would like to talk about? Hmm. Well, um, yeah, a lot of them do. <laughs> yeah, they're all really good. But yeah. what's which ones are your your think, daily your daily drivers, as I would like to say? I don't know if yeah. any of these are daily drivers for me, but I think the album that I've heard the most this year probably has to be "Thank You Next." Without I'd have to I'd have to agree with that. I, the one I've heard the most. Um, I don't know if I would say the one I enjoyed the most, but yeah, there's definitely some good songs on that album for sure. Though, but I, I mean, yeah. Obliv- "Beautiful Oblivion" was also good by Issues as well. Um, the, honestly, all of these albums are great. It's going to be hard to choose the winner for this category. Yeah, I mean, for me, um, "Beautiful Oblivion," mm-hmm. I did enjoy. Um, Issues had someone leave their band recently, right? Yeah, Michael Bond yeah. left since the last album. Yeah. They're and did screaming. he do like the screaming vocals? Yeah. Yes. I could tell I could tell on this album. I still enjoyed it. Um, but to be honest, like I downloaded it when it came out. I listened to it like a little bit and it didn't really catch me. And I didn't revisit it until it got nominated for this award. Um so I I was I don't want to say disappointed because I still enjoyed the album. It just wasn't on par for me with the earlier stuff. Um Dedicated and Thank You Next uh, are both really, really good, but neither one to me is, like, exceptional to the point of getting this award. Like, I still listen to both of them very regularly, um, but they didn't really hit that next level for me. Uh, The Billie Eilish album, I think, has to be respected just because it's, like, something completely different, especially in the pop genre, but just even overall in music. It's different from anything on this list and different from most things that were released this year, Um, mostly in a good way, in my opinion. Um, I enjoy most of the album. Um, 
but I was really surprised by the Bring Me the Horizon album. I've only listened to a couple of their songs before this album, like Sleepwalking and uh, Chelsea Smile, I believe it's called. Yeah. Um, so this album was the first time I really actually listened to like a full record from them, and I actually really enjoyed it. Um, so that one was, you know, probably the biggest surprise of the year for me. Um, but yeah, that one and the Billie Eilish album, I say, would probably be the two for me that stick out. Yeah, I had to throw in uh, Trauma by Prevail because that album was off the chain. But I don't – it's – I would say that I probably only listened to it all the way through like maybe 10 times. Uh, Beautiful Oblivion probably more like 30 to 50 times. But I've probably listened all the way through Ammo over 75 times. Um, it just rolls so like it's such a good comprehensive album, um, and I think that's the one leg up that it's got here for me. Um, and I just think that it just plays well all the way through. Um, and that's not even to mention the fact that Bring Me the Horizon released an album and a full length EP this year. So they are well, 2019. Uh, they released it literally like. Their second EP, like, with five or six days left in in 2019, which blows my mind. Um, the other albums in here, I these are juggernauts in the industry. Uh, Thank You, Next, and Billie Eilish. Um, they're absolute killers, and I've probably heard the songs, songs off of those a ton. Uh, Dedicated is the one that I've spent the least amount of time with, but... Uh, I, yeah, I just have to give the dub to, to Ammo by Bring Me the Horizon. Um, it was a good showing for me, and if you listen to it, if you're one of those people who loves Bring Me the Horizon, and I'm sorry that this Ammo didn't this this album Ammo didn't do it for you. I completely understand that, but if you sit down and you listen to it as a musical project and not think, oh, I just wish it was more Bring Me the Horizon. Uh, you have to recognize the <laughs> the sheer masterpiece that this album is, um, and the direction that the band is going is favorable for more people and more accessible. And I think that that is a big deal. Whenever you look at a band that released Chelsea Smile and Sleepwalking and Antivist, things that I couldn't even convince some of my closest friends that it's the best album to ever come out before this one. I can be like, I don't know, man, ammo kind of is a masterwork. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we're going to have to go ahead and get the, the Huli over there to my boy, Ollie. I know that you also listen to this Ollie. Um, so just email me and I'll send you over your Huli. And can I just say also with ammo, it really sold it for me. Their song, the track on the album, Nihilist Blues with Grimes. Yeah. Probably one of my favorite songs of the year. It's I was, so it was, good. Yeah, I was. I struggled to listen to the rest of the album because I just wanted to listen to that track. <laughs> I understand <laughs> and, um, that. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely love that album. And uh, congratulations. We'll see what 2020 has to bring. Um, now, I'm handing this one off. I don't know who who's technically let's in charge to, of this next theory. This let's next, go to Zach. Let's go to Zach. Te- technically, I'm next in line. Have uh, you watched any of these any of these nominees, Zach? Yes. Okay. One. Okay. Uh, I think I know so, which one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So the next category is the streaming award. 
with our four candidates being Fry from Netflix. That's Hot fire. Ones, it's fire. fire. Fire, so it's not that one. You already know that one. <laughs> yeah. Netflix. Hot Ones from YouTube, Mandalorian from Disney+, and Triple Frontier from Netflix. All right. So you did not see the Netflix Fire documentary, Zach? Correct. I have not. Jesus. How did you not? Okay. Because you guys did so well at telling me about it earlier this year <laughs> that I did not think I needed to watch it again. That's such bullshit, but I'll let you tell us about the one that you did watch. Which one of so these the one, is yours? So the one that I actually do watch pretty regularly is Hot Ones. You uh, would. It's so good. <laughs> uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, it's essentially like a interview. They, uh, their host, Sean Evans, brings on celebrity guests where they attempt, where he asks them questions while they um, complete rounds of different chicken wings coated in different like spicy hot sauces. Um, it's a really fun show just because not only are you learning from like these celebrities, like with questions being asked and everything, but it's also just a fun time seeing a lot of these celebrities struggle with different hot sauces and it just becomes like a really fun atmosphere while you're watching it. Yeah, for sure. I definitely agree. Hot Ones has been around for a while, but I think this year it really started to take off, especially in the meme space. Mm -hmm. We had the Idris Elba meme, the Paul Rudd meme, the Shaq meme. I mean, there was a lot lot of great moments on Hot Ones this year. Um, Another one, I'll talk about the two Netflix ones. Uh, First with Triple Frontier. This is probably, in my opinion, the most underrated film of the year. A Netflix film with uh, Ben Affleck, uh, Oscar Isaac, Charlie Hunnam, a few other people. it's like an action war movie. They basically, they're all veterans that are struggling because veteran life in America sucks basically. And so they all take one really risky uh, job to basically go to another country and try to retrieve a whole bunch of money from a drug Lord. And it gets freaking insane. Um, And I loved it. One of my favorite movies of the year, probably my favorite Netflix film of the year. Um, So I would highly recommend anybody check that out who hasn't seen it. Um, And then the fire festival documentary netflix i thought this one was much superior to the hulu one i actually felt like i was there at the festival and if you can ignore that it's unfortunately produced by fuck jerry which is a what it seems like a terrible company (laughs) um it is a great i mean they were there they did it so they have all the footage and they have the inside look uh you know what happened and that's what i think puts it above the hulu documentary um and it's literally insane that this happened in real life and it was cool to get to get to see it play out other than you know just with the tweets as it happened a couple years ago Mm -hmm. yeah i'd have to agree with your opinion on triple frontier that movie is hardcore slept on so fucking good um and i'm glad that one of the fire documentaries made it in to the streaming award category because i thought both of them were fucking phenomenal absolutely incredible but But while we may have gotten a lot of good memes from Hot Ones, we've gotten some of the best memes of 2019 from The Mandalorian. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. I don't know how many Baby Yoda memes my social media is just flooded with on a daily basis. I was talking about this with Elijah. It is exceptional how well they are will like they are able to portray all of the emotion in The Mandalorian. When the main character wears a helmet that shows no fucking emotion. It is in fucking sane. It's so good, dude. Um, and that's just... Uh, it's Bill Burr is in the show, which is absurd. Uh, it's just so good, dude. 
baby fucking Yoda, dude, and fucking. <sighs> yeah, I've actually, uh, I've actually not started Mandalorian yet, just because oh. I've been watching the Star Wars movies, um, and uh, just wanted to kind of wait for Mandalorian to be finished so I can binge it. Um, but it's still made it on this list just because of how heavy of a hitter it's obviously been by far and away the biggest original Disney Plus has made that really the only one that even gets talked about beyond just like a, a mention here or there. Uh, so yeah, it's been a huge deal this year. And it's like the one thing that it seems mostly all of Star Wars fans can agree on is good. And that people who don't usually like Star Wars or care about Star Wars still watch and really enjoy. We haven't really gotten that with these other Star Wars movies. This is the first time that this has captured Star Wars fans and the mainstream. Yeah, and you know who's you know who is to credit with that, and I think that he deserves he deserves the Julia of my favorite person of 2019, John Motherfucking Favro, dude. <laughs> Holy shit, this guy's a god, and I didn't even know until 2019. What the fuck, dude? Oh, he's very good. Holy very good. shit, bro. Yeah, um, his Netflix show is also very good. The Chef Show. The Chef Show is incredible. His performance in. I don't want to mention. In all of the movies that he's in in the MCU, incredible. Fuck, man. Love John Favreau. Holy shit. All right. <laughs> I think that I want to give this Hooli away, even though it's not my category. What do you think, Zach? You're to give it. Come. All right. Yes, I got to give it to Mando. I fucking love the Mandalorian, bro. I'm not even super into Star Wars. It fucks me up that I'm so into the Mandalorian. Like, holy shit. I can't believe because it's like all of the episodes are out now, I think. I believe so. Every week I see somebody tweet about how The Mandalorian is all of the episodes are out. So it could be that there are more episodes. I have no idea. But, dude, it's so fucking good. John Favreau, keep up the fucking good work, my guy. You're like uh, mm-hmm. exceptional, dude. You're the new Dan Harmon of my life, which is probably good <laughs> because you seem like a better person. <laughs> <laughs> so congratulations right. to congratulations. disney plus and the mandalorian i mean i think that disney plus is going to have uh an exceptional <sighs> showing at next year's hoolies um yeah. with all of the things that i see are slotted for 2020 release mm-hmm. i mean who if, if it had come in a little bit earlier in the year if it wasn't still so fresh or new disney plus oven in itself might have won the award but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they still take home the trophy in a way through the mandalorian so Let's move on. Our two biggest awards here still to come. We'll start. I'll go first. Movie of the year. He's our, here are our four nominees. It was so difficult to limit this to four, um, but these are the nominees that that we've ha- that we have here. The winner for superhero movie of the year. It could take both awards home. Avengers Endgame. We have Doctor Sleep. Knives Out and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'll go ahead and go first, guys, because uh, I've seen all four of these. So we've already talked about <laughs> we've already talked about Avengers Endgame a little bit, um, but obviously it's the biggest movie of the year. The conclusion of the so- first saga of the MCU. Um, just, just what what else can you really say about it? Doctor Sleep. This is probably the least popular one on the list, but for me was actually if you take out. Um, my fandom of the MCU, Doctor Sleep, was my favorite movie of the year. For me personally, I'm not even a huge Shining guy. Like, I like The Shining, but, you know, it's, it's whatever. It's okay. It's good. Um, Doctor Sleep blew me away, absolutely. And it really, really sucks that it made basically no money. But Mike Flanagan, obviously famous from uh, Honey and Phil House, directed mm-hmm. this film. 
And I, I think he's the best horror director, you know, him and James Wan, although James Wan is, you know, falling off a little bit. Uh, he's doing more producing now with horror. But Mike Flanagan, I hope that this movie doesn't deter him from getting approved for other projects because I absolutely loved it. Um, Ewan McGregor uh, in the film as well was great. Knives Out, Ryan Johnson's film, did what he does best, a great murder mystery film that also subverts and parodies the murder mystery genre, is able to both make fun of it and be a really good uh, version of it. And the cast in the film, incredible. Chris Evans, you know, Tony Collette, um, Ana de Armas. I mean, just everybody in that movie is awesome. And um, probably one of the biggest crowd pleasers, I would also say. If you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. The way that the characters are set up and then the payoff at the end. Um, really, really well done from Ryan Johnson. And then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, probably narratively the weakest film in this list, but you're literally just watching Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt for three hours. And like, I'm not going to complain about that <laughs> Like <laughs> in a Quentin and Tar- a Quentin Tarantino film. Like if you're someone who loves movies, you probably loved once upon a time in Hollywood. So this is a very strong list. It's going to be hard to decide what movies of these have you guys seen. And, and what did you like from the list? I've only seen Endgame cause I'm a shitty podcast host. <laughs> yeah, I, I have only seen Endgame and once upon a time in Hollywood. Um, but I've heard that Knives Out was worth going to the movies for. Uh, Doctor Sleep, I did not hear that about. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I was told, Isaiah, you probably wouldn't give a shit. So. (laughs) I was actually listening to an interview. Uh, Who who did you say was the director for Doctor Sleep again? I'm drawing a blank. Mike Flanagan. Mike Flanagan, where he was talking about the host asked was asking like how he was essentially how they bring in like all of the material from like the book as well as like trying to please like uh Stephen King and everything with how it is and I guess and th- I found this really interesting is that Stephen King essentially is just hands off with all of his movies like of course they'll be like uh like try to get like some sort of feedback from him but he's really just like do your own thing sort of thing with it which which I thought was really interesting um and from uh, what Josh you've said, uh, as well as from what I've seen online, is that Matt Flanagan killed this movie in a good way. Uh, and I really that hearing that, and then knowing that Stephen King really didn't have too much of an input into the actual movie itself, and just the way that this is how Matt interpreted the movie, I really like that. And he, Stephen King, notoriously hated Stanley Kubrick's uh, yep. version of The Shining, which mm-hmm. you know you can think about how, that how you will, but. I kind of share Stephen King's um, uh, opinion when it comes to Dr. Sleep in that it's both a great sequel to The Shining as a book and Mm -hmm. a great sequel to The Shining as a movie because the movie changes so much about the book, but it's somehow able to come full circle and pay off the book and the movie when it comes to being a sequel. Now, canonically, it is a sequel to the, to the movie itself. Um, but overall, um, yeah, really, really loved it. And I would, I would inspire anybody to check it out that didn't in theaters because a lot of people did not. Um, however, um, I'm going to go ahead and announce the winner. It's not going to be Dr. Sleep. Um, it is going to be, I think the one film, um, that was able to be a crowd pleaser, which Dr. Sleep was not. And once upon a time on Hollywood really wasn't either because a lot of people just thought that was long and boring. <laughs> um, and while Avengers Endgame was a great, probably one of the best superhero movies of all time, when it comes to best movie of the year, the Hooli is going to go to Knives Out. 
Um, I think that I have not met a single person who saw this movie that did not enjoy it. And I'm also I, not a lot of people have talked about this, but like Ryan Johnson got such blowback from Last Jedi that there was a there was a good chance that a lot of people could have shit on this movie just to shit on Ryan Johnson. But it's like the movie was so good and so well done that it came out and everybody was like, no, we can't even we can't even like do that. Like, it's just really good. <laughs> like, he just wasn't meant to make a Star Wars movie, but he's clearly a really good director beyond that. Um, so, I mean, again, I, I would highly recommend this movie. Anyone who hasn't seen it, I'm going to yeah. go ahead and give the award to two knives out for movie of the year. I think that there's something that has to be acknowledged here when this movie didn't have the 23 legs to stand on that Endgame did, mm-hmm. or however many Yeah, movies yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that with the star-studded cast that you're talking about, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty high budget of a film, but not as high budget as Endgame, I would assume. Um, $40 million. Yeah. $40 million for Knives Out. So, yeah, I think that this is a good one. I think that it's a well-deserved Hooli, you know? So, mm-hmm. um... I know that everybody who's on the cast of, of Knives Out listens to the podcast. So who the fuck am I kidding, dude? So, yeah, when you guys want your hoolie, just email us. Uh, just let us know. Just let us know. Uh, and if you could retweet uh, the podcast, it would it'd be pretty helpful. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> so that leaves me, right? Nice. Yep. Uh, game of the year, boys. 2019. Video games in 2019. They're wildin'. And some of the ones that were wiling the most, uh, Apex Legends, uh, nominee Call of Duty Modern Warfare, nominee Control, oh dude, fuck, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, and the Untitled Goose Game. Now, gentlemen, out of all the games here, I have done a very poor job of playing all of them. (laughs) <laughs> but that is only because some of these games are better than others and decided to take a lot more time from my life. Ah, <laughs> uh, but is there any games here that anyone would like to discuss as we move I guess forward? I'll start. Uh, I think, and with, with it being Apex Legends, I think this movie, not movie, this game was absolutely incredible and it was a really good change of pace coming from the previous Battle Royales that were in 2009, uh, 2018, because we're just coming off of Fortnite's big year, um, Modern Warfare released Blackout. Um, so there was a lot of other these Battle Royales, and Apex came in, offered something new with this more fast-paced sort of Battle Royale game. Um, and I thought they blew it out of the water, to be honest. I'm uh, just going to retcon what you said. Modern Warfare did not come out with Blackout. That was uh, not, Black Ops. Yeah. Correct. I meant to say Call of Duty. But yeah, uh, d- just a different way that they approach the Battle Royale. And I really, and honestly, I think it's probably the best or my favorite Battle Royale that I've played so far. And probably the Battle Royale that I've put the most hours in, I would say, so far. Uh, and definitely, definitely good contender for Game of the Year, in my opinion. What about you, Josh? What game on here do you want to talk about? Yeah, it's Call of Duty. <laughs> yeah, mean, it's a, hard to know. But <laughs> I'm I'm a I'm a pretty casual gamer and I 
got I have not been this addicted to a Call of Duty since the original Black Ops, which was what 2011. Mm-hmm. So this has blown past. And as you know, and our listeners know from our Call of Duty episode, that is my favorite Call of Duty. Uh, and then obviously Modern Warfare Two the year before that. So this has blown away basically all the Call of Duty games of the past decade. And I was super skeptical going into it. Like I was like, really, they're going to just reboot Modern Warfare because they have no other ideas. But thank God they did that because it worked. <laughs> and uh, it really has brought us back to the era of Call of Duty that was great. I mean, of course, there's still some online problems with the game, like mm-hmm. always. But they've even implemented the Battle Pass, and it, they haven't done it in a way that I've noticed any negative impacts on the multiplayer game. And as Isaiah alluded to in one of our last episodes, all the DLC so far has been free. Like, that's nuts. Um, so, yeah, I've really, really enjoyed Call of Duty this year. Mm-hmm. No, definitely a really good game. Probably the best Call of Duty game, I would honestly say, with might be within the last decade. Yeah. Um, some of these other games. Control, I've heard narratively, could possibly be one of the best games of the year. Um, but I never got around to it. It never really hooked me with the premise. Um, Sekiro... I heard that the combat in Sekiro is to die for. Sekiro, I haven't personally played this game, but I've seen several streamers play it as well as just watching so like trailers of it and some gameplay. It is visually beautiful, and the gameplay and the mechanics are fantastic. The thing that's very interesting about Sekiro is I think it's the first game of what is about to be a very full genre of samurai and sword fighting games coming down the pipeline. So Sekiro is really kind of opening up that gate. Um, And in 2020, 2021, we'll be end up seeing a ton of games that are very about this whole samurai sword game ordeal. Um, And then, obviously, the Untitled Goose game, I think, has had the most media coverage of a game all year. Um, With the only other contender would be Apex Legends. And that was, I think, only big in the gaming community, specifically. Um, Apex Legends really took over the internet with its random drop. It was like, oh, look, here's this free new Battle Royale. Fucking crazy. We're going to pay every streamer to fucking play it. Um, <laughs> and that was wild. But Untitled Goose Game, like, reached beyond the gaming sphere that I live in. And I was like, oh, shit. People are talking about Untitled Goose Game all over the place, not only in the gaming news that I normally go around to, um, which is fucking crazy but we do have to give this game of the year to call of duty and i don't care who's gonna call me basic for it because (laughs) god it just feels so fucking good when you boot up call of duty and you load into team deathmatch and they're like hey bro you remember shipment dude and i'm like yeah man and they're like here it is for free have a fucking blast g and i'm like (laughs) Oh my god, thank you. Thank you, Call of Duty. You've given me what I want. It's like, at this point, I don't... I don't have that feeling that I really wanted like that anymore. That I want them to reboot Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Like they did with Modern Warfare 1. Because I'd much rather them just put the Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 maps into this Call of Duty. Because... All of the systems have been tuned better than what I bet could uh, could be from Modern Warfare 2. And it just feels so good. I am surprised that Zach doesn't agree with me on this. He just hasn't gotten into it. Uh, it's, I don't know. I honestly haven't put enough hours into it to give 
to like especially with the dlc or the battle pass i haven't played it since any of that has come out it is a great game and everything um but just 2019 felt like it was something that needed something new and a change and i wanted to give it to one of these other ones i don't know man but hey dude I know that everybody who ever worked on Call of Duty listens to this podcast, so. <laughs> <laughs> they all that, get a ev- That ever worked for that ever worked for Call of Duty, ever. <laughs> listens to this podcast. And I know that you guys want your hoolies, so I'll send them to you. I promise. Just email us. Um, Every employee. With your username and password to log into the system so that I can <laughs> fix some of the bugs you guys have. Uh, <laughs> all right. Are there any other awards that we would like to give you know how like they have the daytime emmys where they like give off like some other awards do we have anything <laughs> like that that we want to put I don't here think at the so, end of the show i, I don't know I, I, I just want to give a quick disclaimer and isaiah you could do this too but <clears throat> there is so much out there that i did not consume from this year mm-hmm. um i mean as you can see with some of the stuff we've nominated not all of us even experienced but like just in the movie space um you know, The Lighthouse, Parasite, Honey Boy. Uh, there's just a ton of movies, uncut gems that I haven't been able to catch yet and that we're going to be spending, at least I know I am, going to be spending the next couple of months catching up on. And I think I finally learned why January is the Hollywood dumping grounds. I think it's because everyone's still catching up from the previous year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to be watching all these films that I've missed. Uh, and I will update, obviously, on the podcast as we go um, on a lot of the ones. Because, like, there was a lot of people that said Parasite was their favorite movie of the year, you know, of our listeners. And like, I couldn't put it on the list because none of us have even seen it. I mean, it had a very limited release here in Cleveland. So, mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't come out on Blu-ray until the end of January. So, um, a lot of stuff we're going to be catching up on. Um, so I just want to say for people to keep that in mind, maybe something didn't get nominated here because we just haven't come in, you know, in contact with it yet. So, um, it's going to be, there was a, just a lot overall in 2019 that came out. I think it's going to be fun to catch up on that as well as obviously go into 2020 and uh, a lot of the new stuff coming out, you know, this year that I'm sure we'll talk about in the in the coming weeks as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if Josh's explanation isn't good enough for you, then mine will do it for you. I only <laughs> nominated the games that were good enough for me to fucking play, bro. All these other games are trash. They, can, they couldn't even get my attention, bro. They're trash games. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I only play good fucking games. Get these other trash games out of my shit. No. Pretty sure. Wasn't Sekiro the game of the year for like... Uh... I feel like that was the exact opposite of what I said. Listen. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they won the gaming awards. <laughs> Listen, I don't respect the gaming awards because the gaming awards don't respect me. They didn't ask me what my game of the year was. Actually, they did. They had me vote. But fuck them. <laughs> Listen, this is my opinion, and I'm allowed to have it. Call of Duty is the best game. (laughs) Ammo is the best album. I'll die on this hill. Fight me. All right. Well, with that being said, I hope you're all excited out there as we are for 2020 and with Mm -hmm. Hooligan Radio. It's going to be a fun year, guys. It definitely will be. Stay tuned. There will be a lot of cool cool things that we'll be covering over the next couple months as well as like josh said revisiting stuff that we haven't been able to catch yet so we'll put in the work for you guys just stay tuned i um i want to take this this time right here to let you guys know um since we did the early recording of the last two weeks and we didn't do news this week I would expect that a big catch-up is probably coming on the news and stuff we've mm-hmm. been consuming uh, on the next episode. Um, 
So, I'm very excited to get you guys up to date with all the things that I've consumed in the last three weeks because, whoo, buddy, it's been a good one. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> for sure. Um, we'd like to thank you, the listeners, for supporting us on these things. And I want you to know, while your opinion matters to me, I completely considered it while picking my stuff. Um, but not as much as I considered my own opinion because I <laughs> am the one who matters. <laughs> all right, all right. Anything else? Anything else before we go? Uh, I mean, we can also thank um, uh, American Spirits for the use of their yes. song and Sergio Burger for his little jingles that we use during our podcast normally. Not today, but still want to give a shout out and thank you. Um, I don't have I anything. I don't that's have it. anything else. Yeah. Hooligan radio, hooligan dot radio on Instagram, hooligan underscore radio on Twitter. You can find all of us individually from those handles. So go mm-hmm. follow us there. Yeah, tweet at yes. us and email us if you want us to send you your hooli. I'm working on them right now. Um, and try to be on our podcast if you want to be, and you have something you really want us to talk about. Email us. I was about to say you have to let us know why you should be on it and give us right. some sort of topic that you would like to cover. Right, you it doesn't can, take much. It really doesn't take much. Doesn't, you just say yeah. because I, because I'm your friend or because I live near Isaiah. Because <laughs> I have a mic. Dog. Just well, damn, damn, dude. <laughs> because I want to give you money is also a good option. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> all right. I hope that we kicked off 2020 great for you guys with these awards. And if we didn't, and you hate us, tweet at us because I want to hear what your opinion is. All right, Zach, are you ready? Yes, let's do this. Three. First one of 2020. Two. One. Bye.